This is the Jaguars Broadcast Week in Review podcast presented by TIAA Bank. It's Friday, November 11th, and happy Veterans Day to those who have served or are serving in our nation's armed forces. We appreciate your sacrifice. It's on to Week 10 in the National Football League. I'm J.P. Shadrick with the best of the week from Jaguars Radio, Jaguars.com, and our social channels, of course, Jaguars Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Thanks for listening on Jaguars.com through the podcast link at the top of the homepage or on the official Jaguars Podcast Network. That's on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you download those podcasts. We love feedback, of course, so leave us a comment and a five-star rating. Let's begin with the best of the press conferences and locker room sound this week, starting with the big task ahead for the Jaguars' defense. That's slowing down the best passing offense in football in the Kansas City Chiefs. Quarterback Patrick Mahomes' number one target this year, of course, is tight end Travis Kelsey. Defensive coordinator Mike Caldwell in a Thursday press conference. He is a guy that he's kind of changed the position. Um, when you have a guy that that's talented and making that many plays for you from the tight end position is special. You know, you go back, you talk about Tony Gonzalez and people like that that did it. He's doing it, but he's a guy that he's almost like a receiver, like similar to the one we faced last week. The guy that you have to pay attention to that the offense runs through him and it's, it's tough. But then going back and talking about Devin, we're not going to put Devin on him by himself. We'll have multiple guys being able to cover him. So it's going to be a team effort. Uh, it won't be just one guy going out there trying to stop one person. It'll be a team effort, and we'll have multiple guys. We'll try to throw at him to, to try to slow him down. Hey, Mike, just just to follow up on that about Kelsey, um, not to give away your game plan or anything of that nature, but just, you know, is, is it far-fetched to put maybe a corner on him just as, as the, the, the type of player he is, like you said, more of a receiver, tight end, you know, blocker, all that kind of stuff. You know, is it far-fetched to put a cornerback or someone bigger on him uh, as opposed to just a linebacker? In certain situations, you could do that. Uh, we have bigger corners and we have safeties that can cover. That's one matchup. But again, we talked about earlier that this offense is not just one person. This offense has a bunch of weapons. So those weapons will you know, need to be handled also. So we have different options to be able to use to try to cover Kelsey, and we'll, we'll, we'll do that. From a player's perspective, defensive lineman Dewan Smoot knows the challenge of chasing Mahomes around all game long. It's challenging just knowing that he can be able to get it out at any time. But, I mean, for us as pass rushers, we just got to keep coming. We already know, like, the first guy might, might not get him down. The second guy might, you know, the third guy that's coming in. We just got to make sure we're all rushing and be ready to just, just run around all game. We know they're going to pass the ball 50, 60 times that game. So we just got to eat light and <laughs> be ready to run around that week for sure. Smoot had two sacks last week against the Raiders. Rookie linebacker Devin Lloyd says they better be ready for a lot of passing from the Kansas City Chiefs. I think they passed it like 68 times, and I mean, rightfully so, because, you know, obviously he has the arm to do it. So um, it was definitely a challenge, and um, the extended plays, him scrambling, being able to, um, you know, elongate the plays is going to be also a challenge. So um, really we just got to just plaster and make sure we're locked in. And then from a secondary perspective, staying on your man through the whistle. That's the most important thing for cornerback Trey Herndon. That's going to have to be the, uh, the emphasis, discipline. In our communication, discipline, in our technique, you know, eyes, body position, all the small things that we're working on in OTAs, you know, at the beginning of the year. Coming back to that point, man, to help us win, um, to put us in the best position to, to make plays on a dynamic offense like the Chiefs have. We flip it over now to the Jaguars' offense. 
Quarterback Trevor Lawrence completed over 80% of his passes in last week's win, including only missing one throw in the entire second half during a comeback. Lawrence in his Wednesday press conference. It feels great. Just momentum for our whole team. Um, obviously, the month of October wasn't our best, our best month, if you just want to compartmentalize it that way. So moving forward, just being able to get back on the right side of the win-loss column. And, um, you know, like I talked about after the game, just, just kind of what it took to win that game. All three phases um, had to step up and make plays. And I think that's exciting for our team to kind of, I guess, be on the right side of a, of a close game. And, you know, it hadn't happened in a while. So that was, that was great. Um, but just moving forward is, you know, now we've already got our first practice down of the week. We've, we've flipped the page. It's on every, everything's going towards the Chiefs. And um, it's a big challenge for us. So it's a big opportunity to go into Arrowhead Stadium, um, especially before the bye week. It's a huge game for us to get some more momentum. Um, so we're just we're excited to go play that game, and we, everything's focused on that now. You know, it's it's how consistent can you be and keep stacking games like that. Obviously, so um, it's good for us. We really, like I said, we really needed it. You know, you look at our season; it's kind of that point in the season, halfway mark. You gotta you gotta start winning some games, start rounding some wins off um, to give yourself a, a shot at the end. So I think that's that's what we did, and we just gotta keep doing that every week. I guess if you feel like that was about as well as you played in those big moments. Yeah, I definitely think that was one of my, you know, one of my better games, especially this season. Um, I think you just look at accuracy, decision making, um, situational ball, all those things. I think that was one of my one of my better games, and just as an offense, one of one of our better games. We just we were really good. You know, there were some some unscouted, unscripted looks that we saw, and just being able to adjust and um, really do the next best thing. That's what we always talk about in our quarterback room is. It's not always going to be exactly what you think it is. It's not going to look perfect, but just do the next best thing. And that's, I think that's something that we were able to do really well on Sunday and moving forward, just continuing that. And um, yeah, so I thought, you know, I'm happy with, with how I played, but like I said, that's it's kind of in the past now. So we're moving on to the Chiefs. Did you watch your mic'd up segment? Yeah, yeah, I saw it. Uh, David sent it to me uh, the other night, I guess right before, right as it came out. So I, I saw it. Is that trash talking <laughs> by Trevor Lawrence? Is that what, do you consider that? Your version of trash. I guess so. You know, I don't. I don't talk. I like to have fun. You know, I don't. I don't talk too much, but just just have fun. I mean, that you're probably talking about the one clip with yeah. with Denzel. You know, he's yeah. and he's he's awesome. We talked after the game, but um, just playing guys like that. He was fired up. He wanted to talk to me after he hit me, and I was just telling him, you know, I got six yards, and I don't mind it. You know, it doesn't bother me. So uh, just just going back and forth. I think that's you know that's how the game's meant to be played. Have fun. You compete. We're all out there competing, and um, yeah, so that was that was part of it. Is that normal, or is that are you coming out a little bit, doing that a little bit more often, and taking it to another level? Or it depends on the game situation, kind of what happens, what someone says to me. You know, there's so I I would say it's somewhat normal. You know, not all the time, but like I said, it's just it's different. I honestly forgot I was mic'd up. So after the game, we were talking about it. I got fined in our room because I didn't tell everyone that I was mic'd up. So I forgot. So that's that's a that's a no no. It's not telling guys that you're mic'd up. So. Um, it's just, it's part of the game, you know, like I said, it, it makes the game fun. Everyone's out there competing and you go back and forth and um, I really feel like sometimes that gets the juices, juices flowing and you kind of get in your element and um, flip the switch and I feel like that kind of happened on Sunday and it was, it was great. Another bright spot last week in the running game for running back Travis Etienne Jr. He went over 100 yards on the ground yet again. Offensive coordinator Press Taylor's approach for him and his style of running moving ahead. You know, he had 30-something touch, 30 touches, 30-something touches the other night. You know, long-term, is that the right way to handle it? You know, it's hard to say we're not going to give one of our best players the football as much as we can, but, you know, doing it the right way. 
making sure that he's handling things the right way. He's very professional in his approach, does a great job with his recovery. Our strength staff does a great job of getting all these guys, and that's why I think you've seen kind of the health play out throughout the year. Up front this week, another test for the Jaguars offensive line. Chris Jones in the middle of the Chiefs D-line, and Carlos Dunlap, the veteran, is on the edge. Left tackle Cam Robinson. From what I've noticed, they all play the game extremely hard. Like you said, they do have Dunlap, they do have uh, Chris Jones. Both of those guys are great players. Both, both of those guys are veteran players. They kind of they know exactly what they're doing. They know how to play the game. They've seen everything. They've done everything. So we're going to have our hands full with those guys, and it'll be a fun challenge for us. And finally, the environment at Arrowhead for the offense can be a challenge, one of the most challenging environments, one of the noisiest venues in all of football. And tight end Evan Ingram this week explained how to deal with it. You go into a place like this, you gotta be, you have to be sharp with a silent count. You gotta be sharp with the communication and the huddle, because once you break the huddle, you're probably not gonna be able to have a conversation. You know, just staying focused, staying locked in. You know, when you get in the zone, you, all that noise kind of tunes out, um, and you go out there and play. So that's that's big for us. We're gonna work on all that this week. When we get there on Sunday, it'll be it'll be time for us to put it all together. Press conferences and select locker room sound available on Jaguars.com. In a moment, CBS Sports play-by-play announcer Jim Nance on the calming influence of Doug Peterson. Plus, Bucky Brooks on the impact Andy Reid has made on offensive football in the NFL. And Doug Peterson's final thoughts heading into the matchup with the Chiefs. All that after this. Jags fans, fill your wallet with one debit card that screams Duval exclusively from TIAA Bank. The Jacksonville Jaguars Visa Debit Card comes with a fierce look and fantastic features so you can pay with pride wherever you go. And it's yours free when you open a Yield Pledge checking account. Up your financial game today. Visit a financial center near you or find us at TIAABank.com slash JagsCard. TIAA Bank is a division of TIAA, FSB, member FDIC, and the official bank of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Welcome back to the Jaguars Broadcast Week in Review podcast presented by TIAA Bank. Check out the official Jaguars Podcast Network. It's free on iTunes or Spotify. Of course, this program every week, the Huddle Up Podcast, the Ozone Podcast. Give us that five-star rating as always. Now to the best of our shows this week. Doug Peterson was a quarterback in Green Bay when Reed was on the coaching staff for the Packers as an assistant. Peterson later played and coached under Reed in Philadelphia with the Eagles, and then he followed Reed to Kansas City as his offensive coordinator before Peterson got the head coaching job in Philly himself. They've known each other for a while, of course. On Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks this week, we hear from Peterson on his history with Andy Reid. Plus, Bucky, Osher, and I get into a conversation about Reid's impact on offenses around the NFL. Uh, the players love him. He's hard. He's a you know, disciplinarian. He, he demands a lot. You know, all the things that, that I strive to do you know, in, my, in my job. And, um, and then just with the offense, you know, he, he is creative. Um, does a great job of putting his his guys in in positions to make plays and and you know you just see it over the years the teams that they've um, put out there have all all been great football teams you know and and same thing same thing in Philly you know it started out slow uh, in '99 when I was there as a player uh, but but quickly quickly escalated with with you know better talent around and a better quarterback at the time and. Uh, you know they were they were competing for you know NFC title games just like they are you know now in Kansas City. That's the head coach Doug Peterson, of course, on Andy Reid, the head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs. Welcome back. It's Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks, JP Shadrick, and John Osier alongside. Yeah, I have a question for uh, the historian, if you will. 
how much has he shaped the game, Andy Reid? And what I mean by that is, over the last 20 years, him and Belichick are really the most successful coaches. And mm-hmm. Andy's offense, his ability to adapt to his personnel, I know he's taken the West Coast offense and he, he's made it something else, but how much of this game is is uh, shaped by his philosophies right now? Because it seems to me that may be an underrated part of him. Well, I think it's really underrated. And I will say this, Doug Peterson and I played together in Green Bay. Andy Reid at the time was a tight ends coach. And as a defender, he was the scout team uh, coach. So he was responsible for holding up the cards, making sure that the scout team defense provided the offense with the great look. So the Codex squad, he was in charge of that. Never in my wildest dreams could I think Andy Reid evolved to being the offensive wizard that he has been. But by his own accounts, he played at BYU under Lavelle Edwards, always had a fascination with the passing game. And I think the thing that he's been able to do is take all the lessons that he learned from Coach Holmgren when it comes to the pure West Coast offense, the stuff that he learned from Lavelle Edwards, who they they told me he only had four running plays in his playbook when he <laughs> BYU was rolling, which is kind of impossible to even think that that's how few uh, running plays they had. And then to really adapt and adjust, because normally you don't see older coaches who get excited about the creativity that might be displayed in the lower ranks. Andy Reid is not afraid to take high school plays, college plays, and put them in the playbook to help his guys be in a position to make plays. It's one of the reasons why this offense is fun, but he's been able to kind of toe the line with that creativity while still using the West Coast offense as a base. It has really been uh, a masterful job that he's done as a play designer to take this offense, this scheme, uh, to the next level. I think fans hearing that, the first reaction to the cynic might be, well, it's easy to do it with uh, Patrick Mahomes. But you're seeing the elite version of Andy Reid's offense with Patrick Mahomes, but it's been effective and dynamic for a long time. Donovan, Donovan McNabb mm-hmm. was really good, but he wasn't Patrick Mahomes. That's right. Alex Smith was really good, but he wasn't Patrick Mahomes. So this is a two decades of a consistent productivity. Uh, I'll bet he's been a top 10 offense, you know, 15, 16 years of that. You know, again, it's remarkable. I think he's... Uh, has reshaped the game, and I've been able to take it in a direction that I'm not sure people saw it 15 years ago. No, John, let me, let me jump in and say this, because people talk about him as the quarterback whisperer. In the last few quarterbacks that he's had, like Alex Smith was a number overall pick, and then he saw something in Pat Mahomes that a lot of people didn't see. When they took Pat Mahomes in the draft, there were a lot of people that had second-round grades on Pat Mahomes because he was a sandlot player at Texas Tech who had remarkable skills, but you had never seen anyone who played the game in that fashion translate into a successful NFL quarterback. But it goes beyond that. Let's think about in Philadelphia who he had, uh, Coy Detmer. Uh, He had Kevin Cobb playing at a level where people were enticed and intrigued by him and made a, a trade to get him. He took Michael Vick and made Michael Vick a very, very competent passer after he was away for the game for two plus years. And so being a quarterback guru and a developer, he has the ability to not only work with the quarterback position, but he's able to take pieces because let's talk about the wide receivers that he had for the long time. He didn't get a marquee receiver in Philadelphia until they got uh, Terrell Owens. And then if you think about, because everyone goes crazy about Tyreek Hill, but Tyreek Hill was a fifth round pick who was, entering the league as a kick returner that they developed into a pass uh, catcher. And so it is a lot about the development and the schematics when it comes to Andy Reid. He'll go down as one of the best coaches in NFL history because of his ability to scheme it up, but also develop players.
Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks airs Wednesday at 4 o'clock on the Jaguars social media channels and jaguars.com. Now a preview of an interview that will air in full on the official Jaguars podcast network Saturday and will run again Sunday and countdown to kickoff on the Jaguars radio network. It's three-time Emmy winner, five-time national sportscaster of the year, Jim Nance of CBS Sports. He has the call of the game this week with Tony Romo and Tracy Wolfson from Arrowhead. I asked him about the demeanor of Doug Peterson for a Jaguars team trying to figure it out. No, I think there's a consistency and, the, and there's, there's also a quiet confidence that that he exudes, but that the players and everybody in the organization can definitely feed off of that. They can feel it. There's something about his presence. I've got this is kind of what he says with his body language. And he does. Uh, I've always thought he was not given enough credit for uh, his innovation. Some of the cool things that he's done uh, as a head coach, just to, the imagination he's come up with offensively and learning from Andy Reid, of course, from being with him in Philadelphia, the Kansas City, and on and on. Listen, the Jags have their man. They've got the right guy on the sideline. There's no question. Jim Nance with us. Hey, uh, you mentioned Trevor Lawrence. And, yes, there are some really good signs, um, some throws that he makes that not a lot of other guys can make. But then there are some head-scratching moments still in the red zone, goal-to-go situation, interceptions in the end zone, things like that. But uh, you just have to fight through some of that learning curve if you're a Jaguar fan and – He's got to go play and fight through some of these mistakes. Of course he does. And there aren't many players in the league who don't go through this growing process. I mean, I'm talking not just current. I'm talking about the history of the league, uh, the growing pains. And listen, we know the stats of what it looked like when Peyton Manning was a rookie in the NFL. And we know this is a second year for Trevor. But the point is, you got to get the game to slow down. I think it is slowing down. And I've watched a lot of the Jacksonville games this year. I think the one that everyone would like to have back the most is the one from the one-yard line over in London and that interception. But it happens. Aaron Rodgers threw two interceptions last week in the red zone. And he's Aaron Rodgers. And they're floundering. So it happens to the best of them. But I also know that last week there was a stretch where Trevor went 18 out of 19 for a couple hundred yards, and he looked like a world beater. And the more he plays the more often he's going to look like a world beater. Let's talk big picture here. AFC South seems gettable still. The Titans are not running away with this thing. The Colts are what they are right now, of course. Um, And if the Jaguars can get a couple wins here in the middle of the schedule, stay in it after Thanksgiving, they have two head-to-head games against Tennessee. I know we're putting the cart before the horse. There's some things that still need to be done for the Jaguars, but the AFC South is gettable for any team, especially the Jaguars right now. Well, here's how I look at it. It, it, You know, Houston's not going to win the division, so now you're down to three teams. I mean, Tennessee did just reel off a five-game win streak before the loss to KC, and they are going to be the team to beat. But there are two matchups, like you said, between Jacksonville and Tennessee still to come. I mean, this Jacksonville record, I know everybody can say we could have been, should have been, but it very easily could have been uh, with all these fourth-quarter losses and and relinquishing the leads late. This, This could have very easily been Let's call it six and three instead of three and six. It could have been. It really could have been. So it's a team that, you know, is going to have to take some games that people don't expect them to. Like this one right here. This this would be such a statement win for the franchise if they could go into Arrowhead and beat this team. But it's the NFL. You know, you don't rule anything out. And this team's fearless. They're coming in and riding a high of that comeback win against the Raiders. So, yeah, I mean, Tennessee is clearly the team to beat. I don't think Indianapolis is a threat now that they've gone through 
this midseason change. So it's Tennessee, and it's their division to lose. And if anybody's going to catch them, it's going to be this team. Again, the full interview with Jim Nance coming Saturday on the official Jaguars Podcast Network. Let's wrap this week with the head coach, Doug Peterson, Friday. His final thoughts about this week's opponent, starting with tight end Travis Kelsey. I mean, he's such a great player. Um, you know, he's the ability to just, for him to just wiggle, you know, and, and really um, runs great routes, you know. He, he just solid player, you know, and, and, and has learned, you know, him and, you know, Mahomes being on the same page so much that they kind of sometimes do their own, I don't want to say do their own thing, but it's like they're, it's like they're doing their own thing, you know, playing pitch and catch. But you got to do the best you can to maybe disrupt timing at the line of scrimmage. Um, you know, obviously, you know, pressure on the quarterback helps a little bit with that. Um, but it's, uh, it's something that you got to, you know, you really got to, I think, focus on, you know, um, throughout the course of the game. Is it helpful just from the standpoint of, like, kind of preparing that you know if he gets in trouble and one gets in trouble, he's looking for Kelsey first? You know what I mean? So you kind of. Yeah, and, and really sometimes I know, you know, probably in the red zone might be looking for him, but sometimes it's all the guys, i tell you one thing, all the guys on offense do a great job of, you know, their scramble scramble rules. Um, and and it's, it's tough, you know, you just, again, you just have to, uh, you know, plaster on a receiver tight end and, and uh, you know, hopefully uh, either get him to throw it away or, you know, a short game. What type of pass rusher is Chris Jones? He's pretty good. He's pretty good. He's he's got great quickness. Crowds the line of scrimmage. Um, you know, his first step is explosive. He's powerful, and he he gets right into the you know uh, into the offensive lineman. And, and then when you put him on the edge, he's got the speed to you know to go around tackles. And playing at home, crowd noise. You know, uh, great anticipation. You know, with with getting off the ball and uh, you know. Can, can get to the quarterback that way and, and really be disruptive. So good pass rusher. Um, just got to know where he's at. That will about do it. The Jacksonville Jaguars at 3-6 and six face the 6-2 and two Kansas City Chiefs at GEHA Field at Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City this Sunday. We're on the air in Jacksonville at 10 a.m. with the Publix Tailgate Show. At noon, it's countdown to kickoff on the Jaguars radio network. Kickoff for the Week 10 matchup set for 1 o'clock. Enjoy the weekend, and thanks for listening. I'm J.P. Shadrick. We'll catch you next week on the Jaguars Broadcast Weekend Review Podcast, presented by TIAA Bank.